everyone. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about our venue consulting. We have broken up our offerings into four distinct needs, design, sales and client experience, marketing, and those all important SOPs. You can take advantage of one or all of these tricky spots for your venue. If you want to learn more and get a few more details, head on over to hustleandgather.com to see how we can work together and reach your venue goals. All right, let's get to today's show. Whatever it is that you're chasing, like the thing that you're going after, whether it's in your business, in your work, in your life, like a goal that you have, if your name was removed from it, Mm -hmm. if no one knew it was you, would it still matter? Welcome, everyone, to Hustle and Gather, a podcast about inspiring the everyday entrepreneur to take the leap. I'm Dana. I'm Courtney. And we are two sisters who love business. On this show, we talk about the ups and downs of the hustle and the reward at the end of the journey. And we know all the challenges that come with starting a business between operating our wedding venue, doing speaking and consulting, and starting our luxury wedding planning company. We wake up and hustle every day. But we love what we do. And today, we're talking with Jess Ekstrom, CEO of Headbands of Hope, author and speaker. Jess, welcome to Hustle and Gather. Thanks for having me. Okay, I'm an idiot. I did not know you guys were sisters. Oh, oh you yeah. sisters. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay, wait, who's older? It's me. It's really? I know I look younger. But are you taller? Uh, I am. Oh, okay, yes. I'm the younger one, but the taller one, too. I and I love rubbing it in my older sister's face. Well, yeah. I was all fine. And like when we were like 12, I knew one day I was going to get my comeuppance because my whole life growing up, they're like, is this your older sister? And I was right. like, no, height does not equate to age. That I was like, was one day when we're life. 40, they're going to all think you're older. And someone one day asked if she was my mother <laughs> and it was like the best day of my life. But then recently <laughs> on my 40th birthday trip, someone asked me if she was my daughter. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I said, how old do you think I am? He goes 20. And I was like, oh, you're my new best friend. Yeah. Uh, I had 17 years. <laughs> the world. That's awesome. So yeah, now I feel like it's negated. It is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> can't say it anymore. Well, my I sister and I it. are complete opposites in the best way possible, but mm-hmm. I don't know if we could ever run a business together. Mm-hmm. She, her business is like, it called burning daylight expeditions and mm. she takes people on like wilderness trips like wow mm. deep in the woods and i'm like let's do headbands and fashion yeah. you know <laughs> in a hotel yeah exactly <laughs> that's awesome yeah. well thanks so much for being here I, I was telling you earlier is i've been like watching you on facebook and instagram and awesome so i'm so you. glad yeah, yeah. Raleigh celebrity. Here. i know well i admire what you guys do because i have tried doing events and stuff in the past, whether it's for my business and they are like, that's not my zone of genius. You know, Mm, there's some people that are like, love the chaos and the Mm -hmm. coordination of it. And I'm like, I could never. Yeah. Yeah. I I definitely think it's, it's more of a lifestyle than a job. Yeah. I think so. Uh, I definitely think it takes a certain a certain personality for sure. Yeah, I think I'm I have, not even saying I have it, and I did it for a long time. <laughs> so I'm in my personality, really. <laughs> I'm definitely like, um, maybe I have trust issues or something because yeah. I, it's hard. Like sometimes working with people mm-hmm. that are like, okay, you're bringing the balloons, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like you have to trust that they will yeah. bring the balloons, and it's you know, been hard sometimes as an entrepreneur too. Mm. And I find that the more that I rely on my team and believe in them, the better that they'll do. But it's definitely a muscle that you have to train. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. 100%. I do think that is actually a really good point. I think that makes it easier while we could build our team much quicker because we were used to, even when it was just us, like we had to have a team to execute events and you had to trust that person was going to follow through. You had to. Yeah. yeah. Or else you couldn't do your job well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. 
a very a good point. It is a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) let's dive into why you're an entrepreneur. So let's hear a little bit about your story because it is a pretty amazing one. Like how and why did you start Headbands of Hope? So I started Headbands of Hope when I was uh, in college. I was at Mm -hmm. NC State. Um, And it's so funny. I literally walked in here. I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot my headband in the car. So usually I'm wearing (laughs) one. If you're watching live, just imagine, (laughs) you know, a beautiful headband on my head. And I was interning at Make-A-Wish. And when I was there, I was seeing a lot of kids that were losing their hair to chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. And they'd be offered a wig or they'd be given a hat, something to cover up their heads. And a lot of them weren't really concerned with, you know, covering up their heads. They just wanted something to feel good about themselves Mm -hmm. after losing their hair. Mm -hmm. And so I would see them, you know, coming to the office or on their trips, like wearing these headbands. And I thought it was so like awesome that they just didn't care about covering it up. They just wanted to feel like a kid again. And so I remember a few weeks prior to that, Blake, the founder of Tom Shoes, who's not named Tom, um, spoke, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I know. Uh, spoke at my school and he was talking about how he started this one for one company, you know, giving shoes for every pair sold and how he wanted more businesses to create, you know, business for good and for purpose, um, where you don't have to choose between being a nonprofit and a for profit, like find a way to work giving back into your business model. And so that was kind of fresh on my mind. And I had looked up like on Google, like headbands for kids with cancer and couldn't find anything. Mm -hmm. And so I call it like the dumbest, smartest moment of my life where I was like, oh, I could do that. I'll just do what Blake did. And so I started Headbands of Hope. And for every headband sold, we donate one to a child with an illness. And it was not fire right out of the gate. Lots of uh, trial and error in the beginning. Now almost... I mean, we're coming up on our 10-year anniversary in April, which is crazy. crazy. But through that, I kind of realized about three or four years ago that the story of Headbands of Hope, the origin story, how I got started and the mistakes was really like an impactful product Mm -hmm. in itself. And so Mm -hmm. I started writing and speaking and then through that realized that there's not a lot of women doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that kind of started my next business, which is Mic Drop Workshop that helps women tell and sell their story through keynote speaking and Mm -hmm. and writing books. So wild journey, but uh, (laughs) I've learned a lot and happy to talk about it. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) That It's awesome. Yeah. So I could imagine like it was like probably hard and scary, like starting in college. So how'd you manage to get it all going? Like I'm just thinking like supply chain. Yeah. Like how do you scale this to be something that is something and not just you like hot gluing things on yeah. the you might find at Michael's. <laughs> well, I definitely tried that. You it did. didn't okay. work so well. Yeah. Um, but I would say that it's like scarier now okay. doing ideas than it was then because wow. when you're young, like you don't have any data, that's, that's you know, you don't have any information. True. You don't have any like history or stories of like why things work or why things don't which on one hand, you're just kind of shooting from the hip and hoping something sticks. But on the other hand, it's like you're not paralyzed by, you know, all of like, what if this and what if that? So I wish I could tell you that it was like at the time I like really thought long and hard about it and like went back and forth in my head, but I didn't. I was Mm -hmm. just kind of like, great, let's do it. And um, now like, you know, starting mic drop workshop or starting, you know, I have mm-hmm. an online journal app that I created called Bright Pages. And like, those felt scarier to me because one, I had more information of how hard things were. And two, once you've hit some level of success with something, you feel like your next thing has mm-hmm. to be like, you yes. know, I think people call it like sophomore syndrome. It's like yeah. the next one has to be even better, which right. can be really 
paralyzing sometimes. Yeah. But um, in college, I was fortunate enough to have a lot of resources at my disposal when you're a student. You know, I got my first logo from working with the <laughs> bribing the graphic design right. class, you know, to make me a logo for a grade. I made my website by paying computer design students with like Chipotle burritos and little by little, you know, things started to come together with Headbands of Hope, not... So a masterclass on like efficiency. Exactly. Like, how to get things done for nothing. For some reason, I like... <laughs> college students, you know, and to this day, it's like the way to their heart is through food. So I would like find ways to like use Mm -hmm. food to get what I wanted. I remember I got Jimmy John's donate like a hundred Turkey Tom sandwiches for like a photo shoot for people to come out and like Mm -hmm. take photos of wearing headbands. I'm like, this is the way to, (laughs) this is my currency of choices, you know, Jimmy John's sandwiches. I know we had a podcast, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, a couple months ago. And she was talking about, she's a uh, marketer and she was talking about how when you don't have money, you're super creative. Mm-hmm. Oh, like totally. you get so creative to be able to like get that product out and get to where you need to be. And sometimes like once you have resources, you get a little less creative. Like your fallback is just, oh, I'm, I'm going to pay for that. You yeah. I mean? You, I, I think that that's really, yeah. really profound because mm-hmm. I would say like the beginning phases of Headbands of Hope were so creative. I mean, mm-hmm. it was like I would recruit my, you know, college friends to be like campus representatives and put like a fancy name tag on it and just say, hey, go sell headbands and help me, you know, <laughs> donate them. And and then as you get older, again, it's like you just have more information, which can be a good and a bad thing yeah. as to how you run things. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Well, yeah, I feel like it's that fear of failure is stronger after you've been successful. Like, I think when we started uh, our company, it was just very much like, oh, it's just like, okay, it was never in my mind that we could fail or we would fail. Or if we did fail, it was like, what's the harm? Mm -hmm. But now, like when we're thinking about our next step, the it's not, how can this be hundred percent successful? It's like, what are all the pain points that we see that could possibly make this fail? And yeah. is that is what's going to talk us out of actually doing it? Right. Yeah. Once it, you know what it feels like to win, yes. it's really hard to know what it feels like to lose. Yeah. And that is so true. I totally, I totally get that. But, you know, one of the things that I feel like I discovered over the past couple of years as to like, you know, Headbands of Hope is still a big part of my life, but mm-hmm. I'm not the CEO. I'm not running it anymore. Mm-hmm. I have an amazing team behind it. Um, I've moved on to more mic drop workshop and bright mm-hmm. pages. But one of the things that I realized was I always thought that I was going to reach like a point where, you know, I felt like I've made it or, you know, once I can do this, then, then I'm going to like, you know, just drink margaritas and call it a day and like, you know, not challenge myself again. Mm-hmm. Like once I hit these points, and then you hit them and then you realize like that you just start all over again in a new way. And so it's like, it's not really the the outcome that I'm chasing. Mm-hmm. It's like the build that I love. And so right. you kind of have I to know. come to a, look yourself in the mirror and just say, look, like you love the game. Keep playing it. Stop trying to think about when the game mm-hmm. is going to be up and just enjoy playing in it. Preach. <laughs> that is so true. It's that like, is Courtney it is, I know it is hard and wonderful to have that like entrepreneurial spirit. You know, Mm -hmm. like it is really, really hard, but there's literally never an end. There's not a destination. And I think you have to come to the point where you accept that I'm not actually about the destination. I'm literally just about the journey and Mm -hmm. wherever it is at the moment. Totally. You like hit those wins and you think that's going to be enough and it's not enough. Mm -hmm. It's like never enough. Yeah. You know, it's always something that comes in your mind, something you can make better, some other product you can put out or like some other great idea that you want to foster. And then 
for us, I don't know for you, it's always been about like, how can I scale my OG business or my sophomore business Mm -hmm. or whatever it is that allows me the bandwidth and the mental capacity to do my next passion project? Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. And I think that people don't, even when you're a kid and you're told to select what you want to do for the rest of your life, which I think is crazy. It's like, (laughs) but no one really, I mean, maybe you talk about pay, maybe you talk about like passion, but no one ever talks about lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Like what lifestyle, you know, do you want to have? And I think that like when it comes to scale in your business or your, whatever it is that you want to do, like, I don't want to have a skyscraper in Raleigh with yeah. thousands of employees that I have to do. Like, I want to live in an Airstream and go in the woods. And <laughs> right. like, that is and, very different. and so when you think about building your business, it's not just about like what the financial part is or essentially what you're doing, but it's like, how do you want it to uh, create a lifestyle that mm-hmm. you want to live? Is it, do you want to surround yourself with people mm-hmm. all day, every day? Do you like, you know, being by yourself, like, what is it? And so thinking about lifestyle too, I think isn't really talked about a lot. I totally agree. And I I think I do feel like this next generation is getting that more correct than our generation. Like I definitely see those Gen Zers, Mm -hmm. like it's all about lifestyle and it's all about how can this job fit into the life that they want. Although sometimes it's very unrealistic what they're expecting. Um, <laughs> totally. Like that work-life integration. You're like, you're a little heavy on the life and not heavy right. on the work. <laughs> well, I think it's obviously a process, yes, but yeah. I'm sure like with you guys in being in events, the hours. Mm-hmm. It is. So it's, it's a, they're odd schedules. So it's, yeah. they're all over the place. Um, we have some people that work, you know, Tuesday through Saturday, some that work Wednesday through Sunday and some that we all have Mondays off, you know, and mm-hmm. it's, they start at nine, but maybe they end at three and, mm-hmm. but then their work, their wedding day, it's, you know, 14 straight hours. So it's just, it's very variable. And it's really important for us. Like in our office culture, it's all about like communicating and talking about how you're feeling and mm-hmm. burnout and making sure everyone has the space to recharge and regroup and to feel like they're not coming into an office, but they're mm-hmm. coming into a really fun Community. Yeah, community. Yeah. Because that's, you know. It's full of messy people. <laughs> but I'm really curious. So you talk a lot about, or one of your speaking topics is on attention and success and how they're not codependent. Yeah. And so you kind of touched on this a little bit, but like, how would you define success? So one of the things that I talk about in Chasing the Bright Side is if whatever it is that you're chasing, like the thing that you're going after, whether it's in your business, in your work, in your life, like a goal that you have. If your name was removed from it, mm-hmm. if n- no one knew it was you, would it still matter? Hmm. And I find that that's a really uh, gut check, mm-hmm. you know, because so often we do things based on how they'll look, mm-hmm. not necessarily how they'll feel. Mm-hmm. And we're trained to do that now mm-hmm. with social media. It's oh, like yeah. we are trained to put on like, what is the perception that people will think of me if I post this? Or what do I want people to think of me? And it's like, we have, you know, a front row seat to everyone's like highlight reel or all seeing all their trophies. And so I think that it can really mess with our mind and what we see as success. So for me, if I'm doing something that I don't care if my name is attached to it, and I would still do it anyway, that's success to me. And another thing is, you know, realizing that like 
a lot of things that we maybe feel like our success can be quantified. Like, you know, maybe you get an award or maybe your podcast hits a great mm -hmm. ranking, or mm -hmm. maybe you get, you know, a revenue milestone for your business. And all those things are great and they deserve to be celebrated, but that's what we classify as these achievements, you know, mm -hmm. these tangible milestones that show that maybe you're on the right track. But success is something that can't be measured. You know, it can only be felt. Mm -hmm. And the last thing that I kind of like to think about when I, I'm a, I'm a visual um, person is, you know, I feel like achievements are your own race. Like you are crossing a finish line and success is a relay. Mm -hmm. And so I saw, I think it's in Japan. They have like, instead of New Year's resolutions, they have like 100 year goals, huh. which means that they know that they will never be at the end of this goal. Like mm -hmm. they will never see, like, you know, Walt Disney never saw Disney yeah, World. Right. But if they know that they're using their life to put a foundation in place that betters the future, then that's enough for them, which is like, so, so cool. un-American. Yeah, so un-American. <laughs> yes, exactly. But it's like knowing that like, yeah, I don't need to see the outcome to know that yeah. it matters. Like I know mm -hmm. that I'm building the bricks. Like yeah. I know that I'm passing the baton. Um, so that's honestly what kind of led me to starting Mic Drop Workshop mm -hmm. is like for so long, my version of success was like, how many books can I write? Mm -hmm. How many stages can I speak on? You know, how many TED Talks can I give? And yeah. I'm like, not only is that formula like limiting, it's also exhausting mm -hmm. and it has no ripple effect. Mm -hmm. And so maybe now my success can be how many women can I help do that same thing and give them the tools to do that because that stretches way beyond than the hours I have in the day. Mm -hmm. There's a lot to think about when it comes to it, but I would just say removing your name from what you're doing and if it still matters is like the key part. I love it's that. So powerful. Yeah. I know. Like one of the things, one of the terms, I don't even know if it's a term, but like a thought that comes into my mind often, like when I'm meditating or when I'm in the shower or whatever, is that like constant like search for significance. Like I think that there is a, a universal need for people to feel significant and mm -hmm. like whatever that is in someone else's life uh, may not look exactly how it is in yours, but I like hear this, you talking and I'm thinking like, wow, like this is like your journey to mm -hmm. significance, like how you're significant and how your legacy is going to move on beyond you. And I think that's so amazing. Like, yeah. I'm, oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Legacy is a really interesting word too, yeah. because that is, you know, beyond your, like your lifetime right. and why that right. matters to you. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I like the word legacy yeah. as well. Yeah. No, I love that. I do too. And I, th I think it's, I think it's really hard and it, you're absolutely correct that social media and like where we are in our society makes it really, really, really hard. And it's probably the reasons why I push my kids, my 11 year old, like not on it, not, and I don't even know when and how, or we haven't even been mm -hmm. to that, down that road, but I fear for that so much for her because I feel like you do get stuck in this. Well, I'm not successful because I didn't go on that great vacation or mm -hmm. I don't have this amazing car or I don't have X, Y, Z, you know, and it's you, it's this comparison. And I think I love the idea of separating achievement. Like yeah. the comparison of achievements is very different than actual like success being a feeling. Mm -hmm. Totally. I think, and I think people rob you of that feeling in a lot yeah. of ways. Yeah. yeah. And I think that um, for younger generations, it made me think of your 11 year old, like, and even for older generations, mm -hmm. you know, you're trained to think that like, go, go like find your passion, like mm -hmm. see, like discover your passion or like what you were meant to do. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that that can be really misleading because it feels like you're going to find something that you love every day and every mm. moment or like, yeah, if you love what you do, you never have right. to work a day. And you're oh my God, that is crash. Yeah. I know. <laughs> but I think that passion, you know, doesn't have to be discovered. It can be learned, mm -hmm. you know, in what you're doing right now and yeah. in so many different jobs. Like a lot of people think that, you know, giving back and doing something meaningful means absolutely surrendering any sort of paycheck and, you know, going abroad somewhere and helping people less fortunate when it's like in events, you mm -hmm. know, like I, you know, got married, I had event planners and mm -hmm. it's like the, the meaning behind making me feel like I was special that day, that mm -hmm. I was valued, that, yeah. you know, this, uh, my dream was coming true mm -hmm. was like a really meaningful role. Yeah. And so I think that you know, passion and like meaningful work is not something that can be like assigned to you or discovered. It can be taught and learned, which is in, in my experience, I think really optimistic because that means it's not in someone else's control. Mm -hmm. It's in ours, mm -hmm. you know, like we can learn to be passionate about something. Well, and I yeah. definitely believe that. I mean, even like having been in events for 15, 16 years now, like 2020 was definitely a learning lesson of like how important it is actually for people to gather around whatever, mm -hmm. whether it's like a work project, social project, a wedding, a party, like people need community. Yeah. And as event planners, like we are fostering that and facilitating mm -hmm. that for people. Like it's really a big deal. I think if 2020 toss anything, it's like celebrate everything, right? Yeah. Like hug those people when you can mm -hmm. hug them, be with them when you can be with them. And it's kind of amazing to be a part of that whereas previous it's like oh we throw parties I and mean, yeah it's fun you know we socialize a lot we help other people socialize and it just kind of didn't have the same meaning but even like as life goes on and you experience more things you can find more passion in what you do so I think that's yeah, totally yeah. true when we were in the airstream um there was I can't even remember where we were somewhere in Maine I think and there was this island that we took a ferry to and there was not a lot of things on this island but one thing on this I, I had to like double check my google maps i was like is this right it was the museum of umbrella covers and we were like museum of umbrella covers covers not umbrellas okay. umbrella covers and we were like we have to go here like yeah. what oh, yeah, i mean absolutely. this is 100%. if there's one thing i have to do in my life now it is go to this museum and so we went and it's this woman who one day in like 1990, like realized that she just had this passion for umbrella covers and that she just thought it was like so interesting that there was this attachment to a product that literally no one uses. And mm -hmm. so she had these walls and walls of different umbrella covers and she had this whole spiel and it was like interactive, like about like what you think of them and getting your feedback and there was different themes but her tagline for her museum, and this one was built on like NPR. I'm like, you are amazing. But her tagline for the museum was celebrate the mundane. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I don't care if you do like um, umbrella covers, but like our world does not have to be explosive in order to be exciting. Mm -hmm. You know, like what, you know, celebrate like everything. I love that. And I just think about that all the time ever since I've been there. It's like, yeah, like sometimes we're overly stimulated. You know, mm -hmm. we have so much access to like TikTok videos or whatever that's like constantly stimulating us that we feel like maybe our barrier to like 
you know, when we're excited is now higher because or our threshold. But she just reminded me that like little things can be exciting. And it reminded me, have you guys seen Ted Lasso or you can go watch it? Okay. So I love it. I won't, I won't spoil it. But one of the things I saw like Jason Sudeikis say Uh in an interview one time was, you know, the success of Ted Lasso and I'm like paraphrasing, but the Mm -hmm. success of Ted Lasso proves that good guys can be interesting. Mm -hmm. Just like ordinary, Ordinary, good people. And, um, yeah, that's something that has just like stuck with me mm-hmm. since that. I'm just like, man, how can I just find a little bit more fun and joy in the mundane? I have this uh, picture in my house and it says, it's hardest to love the ordinary things, but you get lots of opportunities to try. Oh, I love and that. I remember one time I was like doing dishes or something for like the bajillion time that week or whatever. And it was somewhere in the middle of 2020. And I felt a lot of like joy, just like contentment doing it at that yeah. moment. And I don't always feel joy and contentment when doing dishes. In fact, it's quite the opposite most Same. of the time. Yeah. But I remember thinking at that moment, like, like this is it. Like a lot of people work their whole life and they work really hard to build this life that they resent or they don't mm-hmm. enjoy, like all the aspects of it. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I felt like at that moment, and again, I'm not there all the time. I was like, I'm I'm here. Like I've worked Mm -hmm. to be here. I'm home with my kids. It was like sometime in the middle of the day in the middle of the pandemic. And my life was structured in such a way that I could be home doing dishes at like one o'clock in the afternoon while I'm in between yelling at my child on a zoom meeting. You know what I mean? (laughs) So, but it was just like, I worked to get here. Yeah. And it was just like one of those like clarity moments where I just realized Mm -hmm. that there's a lot of people who work their whole life to build a life that they resent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Totally. I think that the idea that you have to love it all is yeah. like so misleading. And so I try to aim for 70%. That's good. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm like, yeah, I just want to love 70% of my job, 70% of my relationship, you know, <laughs> like accurate. 70% of like my marriage. Like I just need 70% of the time it needs yeah. to be good. 30% of it can suck. Right. Like, that's right. And, you know, that's when, you know, if I have employees or something that are like, well, I really don't like doing, you know, this one thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I can't possibly remove everything from your plate that you don't mm-hmm. like because, but if it's more than 30%, mm-hmm. let me know. Mm-hmm. But if not, then it's just part of the job, <laughs> yeah. you know, like yeah. let's roll Suck up our sleeves and do it. Yeah, I agree. I feel that way. I actually feel that way every time I buy groceries. I know that sounds really weird, but like I, cause I, I loathe putting away the groceries. Oh, I know what you mean. I'm like that with laundry. Yes. Once it's all in the fridge and I open up the fridge and I realize like all the food that we have, there is like this overwhelming wash of gratefulness Mm. that like I have drawers full of fresh food. I have gallons of milk, like we, I, and I think like I want for nothing at this point in my mm-hmm. life because I was able just to go to the grocery store and like buy the food that I wanted, recognizing that that's not the case for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but it's like the one thing that always I feel like centers me into because I find sometimes like the meal planning and the prep and like getting ready for the week, like it feels like just you're on a hamster wheel mm-hmm. and you're just like, I have created this constant like circle of life that I cannot break. Like mm-hmm. I cannot get out of. And it's always that moment that I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I'm grateful for this yeah. hamster wheel right now that I'm on. Have but, you read uh, either of you Marie Kondo's you know, Spark Joy? Uh, I, I have not read it. it. I've it's seen good. the like uh, yeah. the show, the Netflix show. Yeah, well, one of the things that, you know, she says to do is like obviously hold each item and ask yourself, does it mm-hmm. spark joy? Mm-hmm. And then she, I was like, okay, but what about like a, 
hammer, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to get rid of a hammer, but it's, it's not like getting me super excited. Um, and, <laughs> and so she's like, just when you have some product that's mundane that you need, that you can't get rid of, but it's not an exciting product, like just tell yourself, like, what is it that this product helps you do? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, wow, like I can <laughs> hammer in nails. I can build, you know, a shelf with this hammer mm-hmm. and uh, remind yourself that you're excited right. about it or that it has, you know, meaning in your life. Yeah. And so in my work, you know, I hate financial meetings. Like anytime mm-hmm. that we have to go over spreadsheets or numbers, I just like totally glaze over. Mm-hmm. And so I find myself now saying, it's like, well, we have financial meetings because there's business that's happening, you know, right, and, and right. stuff to be dealt with because right. there's action happening right. in my business. Right. And so sometimes it's just these little like cues that you have to give yourself, yeah. you know, yeah. no matter whether it's putting away groceries or mm-hmm. running a company. Yeah. You know? yeah. I used to think I had this belief that I could one day reach zero problems. Like mm-hmm. if I just worked, right. you know, like, oh, well, on Friday, I'll be done with this speaking gig and I'll be so that way oh, I'll yeah. feel totally euphoric, mm-hmm. you know, and just blissful. Mm-hmm. And then of course, like an email pops into your inbox. It's like, whatever, you know, I forgot to pay this invoice or something like that. And you're like, oh, well, there goes my bliss. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, you're never going to have zero problems. Yeah. Right. You're ne- if you're actively engaging with the world, then your things will be circulating mm-hmm. back. And so if that's the case, then we can't keep delaying joy mm-hmm. until we have zero right. problems, right. you know? And then sometimes we make changes in our life like thinking that this change will solve our problems when really we have to think of changes as like bringing about new problems. Mm -hmm. And I I used to, you know, think like, well, oh, if I am not doing, you know, headbands of hope as much anymore, but I'm focusing on a mic drop workshop or whatever, then, then all the problems that I have over here will go away. It's like, well, now Mm -hmm. I have you know, new ones over here. Mm -hmm. And so thinking about like the pivots and the changes of your life is not like eliminating your problems, but like bringing new ones. Would you be excited about those problems? Oh yeah, totally. It's totally the same vein. Like our September was absolutely nuts. And it was a lot of things I didn't overly enjoy having to deal with, but I had to deal with it. We had to get through. We had some projects we had to get off our plate. And I, in October happened and, and I was like, and I'm looking at my calendar and my October calendar looks much scarier than my September calendar. Mm-hmm. And I told my husband, I was like, it looks scarier, but I, I don't feel as stressed, like not nearly as stressed mm-hmm. as what I did in September. And he's like, well, that should tell you what you enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's, and I, I never thought about it. I just thought that this was taking up my time and yeah. everything takes up my time, stresses me out. But, and like, well, you're right. That's not the case. Like I'm really enjoying working on this aspect of our business and growing in this way. Whereas the other stuff a month ago, I was like, I don't want to do it. So it, it, it made me more angsty. Yeah. You know? I think it was um, in Marie Forleo's book, Everything is Figure Outable, where she talked about like mm-hmm. two different kinds of fear that mm-hmm. we feel. And there's fear that makes us feel like we'll be constricted, like, mm-hmm. oh, I won't be able to move. And then there's the kind of fear that is like expansive. Mm-hmm. Yes. And lean into the expansive yeah. fear, not the restricted fear. Right. And so I think about that a lot whenever I'm feeling angsty mm-hmm. or fearful because like, you know, you hear people that are like, fear is good. Or then you hear like, you know, survival of the fittest of like, no, fear is telling you something. <laughs> yes, and is. so it's like, what am I supposed to listen to? Yeah. Am I supposed to listen to fear or not? And so now it's like, if I am fearful or angsty about something, 
that makes me feel like I'll be limited or restricted, Mm -hmm. then I'm not going to do it. But if I'm fearful of something because there's so many different ways that it could go, then I'll give it a shot, you Mm -hmm. know? No, I do That's a that. really good barometer. Yeah. Because yeah. there's yeah. definitely times, like even like conversations with employees that I yeah. have like some sort of like fear of going into or like I concern or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I think you don't angst, know how it's going to play it out. Because yeah. I think it is. I am afraid of being like sucked back in. Like I'm afraid of like the restriction. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like you've moved beyond here and you're like, I thought I thought we'd move beyond this. Like yeah. I'm going on to here and I thought I put this to bed. And it's that like restriction, like being stuck doing something that I don't want it to do. Yeah. Even though I've hired someone to do it, but yet here I am still doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Different kinds of fear. It's it's definitely different. For us, I think one of our, as far as fear and like moving forward and like new things, that is like, I think one of our fears often is I'm moving forward to this. And Mm -hmm. even though I have systems in place and people in place, there's always that fear of fear like the response it's going to land on your shoulders either way it's going to land on your shoulders so you have we're a little timid I think sometimes well because we we still run our businesses like we're still like in we're not in the mix in terms of like we're definitely taking on more of a managerial role but at the end of the day especially when you're talking about events so you have a a client that comes to you and is like hey I'm not driving with my planner right Mm. And, and they're upset and something's going on. So your natural inclination is to like, okay, well, I'll take on this event. I will step in because you're the owner, the boss. They trust you. Mm-hmm. They're not going to trust another planner. Mm-hmm. And there is still that aspect of our yeah. business that we have to handle. And I mean, even just the other day, like a client was upset about something about the Bradford and they emailed me. And I'm like, well, I don't mm-hmm. know anything about what's going on with this and yeah. why, you know. And so you still kind of get into that that role and there is that pressure that, if we start something new, um, or you grow too big, right. The, like the something's re- going to fall right. on you. The maternity leave, you yeah. have a baby and then I'm going to be sucked back into this. And I don't have, I don't have the passion to do that anymore. So how do you guys know what is like, yep, I'm going to involve myself in this and what to hold firm on a boundary on? I think we're still, we're still learning that. Yeah. That mm-hmm. so Absolutely we, learning. It's hard to be like when you have an entrepreneur mindset, when you've been a part of like the, zero to you know whatever it's hard to be like one foot in one foot out like like involved at an arm's length Mm -hmm. it's like you don't stop it's like when you're I'm sure when if your kid goes to college or Mm -hmm. something it's not like all of a sudden you're like you know (laughs) done here I raised yeah like here we go like off to Hawaii it's um what do you mean that's not what happens that's what I'm banking on yeah (laughs) I mean it's still like I feel and it's something that I'm working on it's just like one of my friends Kate Rose now her businesses work well with Kate and she helps business owners like systemize and automate their Mm -hmm. business and she says the best use of your time is doing the thing that you do best Mm -hmm. and so I find myself like with headbands of hope I still want to contribute the thing that I do best which is the storytelling which is the Mm -hmm. externally facing you know parts of it I'm not going to be the person that's like oh like well if our conversion rate is down on the site then we should really look at the analytics Mm -hmm. of Google whatever and and but I still when you wear that hat or Mm -hmm. I say wear that headband for so many years Mm -hmm. it's hard to turn that off where Mm -hmm. you want to solve every problem even though it's not the thing that you do best right yeah so I kind of just go back to that mantra from Kate it's like the best use of my time is doing the thing that I do best yeah if I'm finding myself inserting myself or or involving like or being even if someone asks me Mm -hmm. it's like 
I have to say, this isn't, this isn't what I do. This isn't my lane anymore, Mm -hmm. you know, and hopefully, you know, we have a person that is, and if not, then now we know that's a gap that needs to be filled. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That is great. Yeah. It's it's easier said than done for sure. Yeah. It is. Change my job description. (laughs) (laughs) It is easier said than done, but I think it's wise advice because I I do feel that. I feel like there's a lot of times you spin your wheels as an entrepreneur and and you Mm -hmm. look at it and you're like, I, when you, when you quantify it and, or qualify it, I guess it's not worth it at the end of the day. Like it's not worth my time. It's not worth my energy. It's just not worth it, but it's hard to get to that because you want it to be worth it. And you're like, I can do this. Like I should be able to do this. This shouldn't bother me so much or. Well, it's really hard because, and I'm sure y'all have experienced this. There are so many seasons to Mm. entrepreneurship or growth Mm -hmm. and the things that you did in season one you Uh-oh. should not do in season four. Totally Absolutely. True. And so it's like season one, I'm like, whatever it is, I'm going to figure it out. I will learn how to like hard code an email pop up <laughs> if that's like what I have to do. And like I did those things, mm-hmm. you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, when you're in season four or five, it's like, do not spend six hours trying to hard code an email pop yeah, up right. when you can find someone to do that for you. And so you have to learn like, when is it time to move on from Mm -hmm. the practices that served you Mm -hmm. to the ones that don't serve you Mm -hmm. anymore? Mm -hmm. Like I, you know, remember like a time in my life where it was always like, whatever it is, like, I'm going to say yes. And I'm going to be the yes girl. And I'm going to show up like. That sounds horrible. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I did that. And then, you know, a lot of great opportunities came from it. And then a lot of wasted time Mm -hmm, as well. mm -hmm. And then now I'm in a phase of my life where like, usually my gut gut default answer is no. Right. And that's served me really well where now if my gut default is no, then an opportunity really has to prove itself to say, actually, yeah, like, let me look at that a little bit more. But it was a season that the yes season served me Mm -hmm. in the past. Mm -hmm. It doesn't serve me anymore. Yeah. So I feel like you always, as much as you fine tune your business, you have to fine tune yourself Mm -hmm. in like always auditing the things that you used to do. The Mm -hmm. patterns that served you once might not serve you today. Yeah. So you really have to be self-aware. And I think it's awesome that you guys have a partnership too, Mm -hmm. because you can probably look at a distance a little bit sometimes, you know, that's true. And I think, and I really love that freedom to say too, that it's just not serving me anymore. Cause I think Mm -hmm. a lot of times too, when you look at past behaviors and, you know, decisions that we made, like there's a lot of times you look at that, it's like, oh, that was a mistake. Right. Or that was wrong. Right. Yeah. But it's like, no, it wasn't. You, yeah. No, but in yeah. the moment and in the time, and, and like we say that all the time about our windows at the Bradford, like we went from aluminum clad to wood windows because it saved us like $15,000. And that we just didn't have at the time. That we didn't have yeah. money. Yeah. And so, yeah. and now I look, I'm like, oh my God, that was the worst mistake, worst mistake. And I'm like, well, actually, no, no it was the right mistake at the t- or we, right choice of time. We couldn't yeah. do it any other way. Like yeah. there was, there literally was no money there. And so either we had totally. these wooden windows or we had no windows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think so, that's a great yeah. example. Yes. And like, I think right and wrong is so, um, touchy, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like, so I use subjective. It. Exactly. Yeah. Even like I've been working with my like life coach on it because I would I was telling you guys in the beginning I have a you know if someone's supposed to bring the balloons they like better be <laughs> damn sure bring the balloons and <laughs> I would get really issues. yeah I would get really upset at mm-hmm. people if they didn't do things like the exact way that I you know would want them to yeah. do them and it would you know, get in the way of my work because I'm like oh this person you know didn't bring the balloons <laughs> and she was it helped me instead of being like that's wrong it's like oh that's not the way I would do it, or that's mm-hmm. not my preference. Mm-hmm. 
And it helped me so much to be like, oh yeah, it's just not my preference, but right. it's not wrong. Right. Cause then when you say something's wrong, it like almost just like flips the switch. Oh, in yeah. You, yeah. You know, yeah. that can be hard to flip back. Well, that's just true for relationships in general. I yeah. mean, just Best partnerships. Yeah. We've literally had hard conversations. Like I understand that you want things done this way, but like philosophically, we're not meeting here. And philosophically, this is how I would do things. Yeah. And this is how you would do things. And it's not right. And it's not wrong. Right. But it is different. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have to operate. But it's, the it's creating friction that we need to, that we need right. to get rid of. Mm-hmm. So the question is who, who needs to adapt right. in the way yeah. And, and at times, sometimes it does feel like if you're the one that has to do all the adapting, Mm -hmm. then you're like, well, apparently my way was the wrong way, you know? And, but we, for the most part. You heard it here, folks. Yeah. (laughs) So like, how do y'all resolve those scenarios? Is it like just. Oh, we're, well, we're arm wrestle. Yeah. So there's a lot of arguing. There's, there is some, there is some fights, but I think. I'm a, I'm a processor. Like I, I feel things deeply. I've always felt that way. It takes me a long time to get through the root of my emotions. Like I was Mm -hmm. on coin the day. I was like super emotional and we had a good friend that passed away last week. And I'm sorry. So we've been dealing with that. My daughter like was running in this all County track me at an eight, like in sixth grade that normally seventh eighth graders do. So she was running and and she's like running towards me. And I'm like, like getting emotional. (laughs) And I was like, am I about to start my period? Like what is going on? And I was like, and I, I didn't know the root of my emotion. And really Mm -hmm. I, and I finally was like, you know what? I'm just emotionally strung out. Like I've been dealing with this, with this death and we were talking Mm -hmm. about the memorial that day. And, you know, and then I was also like insanely proud of my daughter. And, and so there's this fear for me a lot of times of saying, are my emotions valid and true? Or are they just me being irrational, crazy? Because, you know, those are the voices mm-hmm. inside your head that you've been told your whole life. So for me, when I'm at a courting, I like to process it. Like, mm-hmm. I need a moment. Like, I'm going to be yeah. mad at you. I'm not going to be lovey-dovey. And I'm not going to be, like, overly kind. But I'm not going to be, like, I'm just going to be, like, this. Like, just yeah. very flatlined. And Courtney feels it and she's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? Mm. And I'm like, I'm not ready to tell you what's wrong because I don't, I don't really actually know what's yeah. wrong. I just know I'm annoyed and pissed off at you for some reason. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it's valid. Yeah. So you need to give me some time. So a lot of times what happens is she like bombards me mm. and then it ends up in a big fight and then we get to the root of it and then it's fine. Yeah. But she's been better. It's been better about giving me my space. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll tell her. And then from my side, I'll say, hey. I don't want to talk about this right now, but let's talk about it tomorrow. Yeah. Whatever. But also I think saying, I think being clear about like, this is how I like to work. This is mm-hmm. what I need. Or like, this is where yeah. I feel like my pain point is, or this is what, how I am seeing things right now. It may not be the truth, but this is how I'm interpreting it. Is right. that, is that the case? Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? And you yeah. like, no, actually that's not the case. Like you taking some ownership that how you feel and, isn't necessarily what's actually happening. And I, I personally think that that's super important because I think so many things are like up for interpretation. And I think especially when you're in a partnership and probably even when you have like a CEO or mm-hmm. uh, life or a relationship or whatnot, like think about what you know about that person. Mm-hmm. And even though you're feeling this way, do you think that that's their intention? Like, mm-hmm. what do you know? Mm-hmm. Do you ever think that my intentions are to hurt you or my intentions right. are to do X, mm-hmm. Y, Z or to make you feel this way? Is it my intention to burden you unnecessarily with all right. the company stuff? Yeah. No. That's mm-hmm. not my intention. I've told Dana this before. I was like, so when you're feeling like emotionally spun out about what's going on with us, like get back to like 
me. You know yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that my intention? Yeah. No. At first, the answer is no. And then, but let's talk about what it is that I'm doing that's making you feel that way. Yeah. And then it can be, it can come from a much less personal space. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I know you. Yeah. And I know that this isn't directed in a malicious way towards me, even though I feel that way. Yeah. But like, you can work from that point. But right. you can't work from like, you know, you don't care about our company. Yeah. Or you don't care about blah, blah, blah. Or you're... Right. Like all this kind of like irrational s totally talks is right. what I call it. Yeah, the, yeah. the always the worst totally always. You know? Well, I was Never. listening to this relationship. I think it was like a guy on TikTok or something last night, and he was saying like, try instead of saying to your partner like, I feel like you burden me with mm-hmm. you know the business mm-hmm. stuff, and that's my husband and I have the same because my husband's yeah. involved in my business too, and he can like literally. It'll be like 9.30 p.m. and we're like in bed and he'll be like, oh, we got to pay Q4 taxes tomorrow. Like, good night. And then I'm just like, why would you tell me that? Like, now I'm going to be thinking about taxes. And he just like has such good compartmentalization to the point where he doesn't realize when things will like spin me out. And so it's like, if you say, oh, I feel like you burden me with tax stuff before we go to bed. Instead of saying that, say what you would like to feel. Yeah. Like, I would love to feel like at the mm-hmm. end of the day, it's like signed, sealed, delivered. Mm-hmm. And anything we need to talk about can like wait till tomorrow. Or like, I would love to feel yeah. like you value me as like a mm-hmm. the business partner. Mm-hmm. And and because when you say like, I feel this, because I, I would say that all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I well, feel, they tell you to say that. Yeah. They always said, use I feel statements. <laughs> I know. And now it's like, I would like to feel. Yeah. Um, because it gives them, oh, what are we aiming for? Yes. Not like, what do you feel? Because yes. the way I feel in a moment can change on a dime mm-hmm. without the circumstance changing, Absolutely. just me changing. Yeah, sounds like my husband. He hates I feel statements. Yeah, like, he, I'll say he's like, I can't help you then. Like, <laughs> I can't change how you feel. <laughs> well, it's and it's like saying, you know, oh, I feel cold in this room. It's like, well, you know, th- that's the way you feel. Yeah. Instead of saying like, oh, I would love to feel warmer in this room. It's yes. like, well, then, okay, now I know right. that we need to turn up the temperature a little right. bit. Yeah, right. a little more actionable. Yeah, yes. but mm-hmm. I will say that hearing y'all talk, it's like the things that make you guys different and probably the points of contention are also the things that make oh, yeah. you operate so oh, well. Yeah, totally. And so I used to think that like, oh, if I can just edit my husband to be exactly mm-hmm. like me, then mm-hmm. we'll take over the world. And I'm like, no, I need someone who is like totally you know, a quote unquote, emotionless around numbers. Like he right. can just be like, oh yeah, we lost money here. That's fine. We can make money here. Whereas I would be like, oh my God, <laughs> we lost money somewhere. <laughs> like, and you didn't tell me about it. Can we find it and, again? Yeah, exactly. We'll come back. <laughs> and he can just be totally like, oh, like no problem, mm-hmm. yeah. whatever. And I don't want to change him to be like me in that right. because yeah. I need someone like that. Right. <laughs> Although it drives me crazy sometimes, yes. you know? So yeah. it's like the points of differences. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, it kind of goes back to that 70-30. It's like yeah. if there's 30% of the time where we might hit friction, yeah, that's fine if 70% of it is good. Yeah, that's probably it's pretty true. Yeah, I would say it's about 70-30. 70-30? Yeah. It is wow. now. <laughs> 70-30. Oh, we're doing better than that. <laughs> it could be. I don't know. <laughs> I love that. So like therapy, Jess. Oh, no, me too. Me too. I know. Well, we like to ask this of everybody. Um, It's what we call their oh shit moments. Mm -hmm. And your whole journey, like thinking about all back, the whole thing could be anything. Did you ever have that moment where you were like, oh shit, I'm in over my head. What What am I doing? Oh my gosh. Like five minutes ago. But no, I mean, I would say that my like 
I actually have a chapter in my book in Chasing the Bright Side called She Made It Work. And it's like mm-hmm. 10 stories about just like random shit that like she made it work. But the big oh shit moment was when I was just getting started with Headbands of Hope and I needed a manufacturer for the headbands mm. and um, found one in Kansas and I had no idea like anything about manufacturing yeah. and I ended up, you know, they sent me an invoice for like the first round of production. It was $10,000. Mm. This was money I did not have mm-hmm. at the time. Because you were in college. In college. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is about $9,500 more than what I have in my <laughs> bank account. And I was talking to my dad about like, I literally Googled like, how do you get $10,000? And um, it was like, you can get a loan from the bank. You can get an investment, give away equity. My dad ended up being my first investor. Mm -hmm. He was like, this is a great idea. I'm going to be part of it, which was, you know, incredible. And I recognize like the the privilege that that comes from too. Wired them the $10,000 and never heard from them again. (gasps) Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Probably a lot of tears after that. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I still, what was that, like, 10 years ago, I still get, like, so wound uh-huh. up about it when I so talk you about ne- it. Like, literally, I've never heard from them again. Um, we went to court, okay. and we tried to get it back, and it was, like, at that point, the money was gone, and we were spending more money in legal yeah. fees yeah. trying to get it back, and it was, like, one of those things where we just had to cut our losses and, like, move on. And it was really hot, tar- like, it was just such a good punch. But I would say, you know, it was one of those things like I hid in the closet for a long time where I was like, I don't want anyone to know that I like messed up so bad. And then when I started speaking, one day I just had a really tough day and I just told that story. And I feel like that was a speech that made me a speaker because it was mm-hmm. like telling the honest truth mm-hmm. about how I got here and how those moments in our life where we have those shit moment it's a reminder that we can quit too. Mm. Like you don't have to do this. Like right. you're at a fork. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that sometimes I feel like we mess up in points in our life that at the time might feel big, but in the long run, it was actually a small mistake that prevented me from making it in a much bigger way in the future. Mm-hmm. Now, like our purchase orders with suppliers are like six figures. Yeah, and right. I've learned about 30% deposits and like <laughs> contracts and all these, you know, yeah, things right. of how we quality control. And I feel like if I had not made that mistake so many years ago, I would have definitely made it in a much bigger way mm-hmm. down the road. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like the windows. It's like yeah. it was the right choice at the time, even right. though at the time it felt like, what the heck was I thinking? Right. You know, but it definitely tested me as to how bad I wanted this mm. and really kind of reassured, like dug my heels in the ground a bit of like, mm. now I'm doing this, you know? Yeah. So here we are. Wow. I love that. <laughs> and eventually I paid my dad back. I was like, woo. Yeah. I was like, gave him $10,001. I was like, but, there's some interest. I know. know. I remember that though. I remember like when like a $2,000 mistake would just like oh, yeah. wreck us. Oh, Literally. I, sure. I remember our very first wedding at the Bradford. We weren't ready. And we told this person we weren't going to be ready, but they insisted on booking and we needed the money. And so we booked them. We should have said no. And they stayed, the bride's people stayed in the house and we actually strung the lights because we didn't have lights over our terrace at that point. We didn't have all the landscaping in. Like we didn't Mm. have walls in the bathroom stalls. Like we hung these uh, like tarps. (laughs) My husband like rigged this tarp thing to like separate all the bathrooms. And the, everyone was fine. Like the night went fine. Cater, like caterers are fine. The dad was so happy. And then we get an email 
like the next couple of days. Yeah, we were, they were trying to pay the final balance. They're trying to pay the final balance. And he wanted his room fees back. Like, I think it might have been like, like $400 or yeah, something. $250. It was very nominal because there was still dust covers on the smoke detectors from the painting. And like, had something happened, his people wouldn't have been safe. Clearly, you weren't ready, uh, which we were not ready in many ways. And this yeah. is the most minor of right. the ways that yeah. we were not ready. And I remember we were so upset. We were oh, so sure. upset about not getting this $250. It just seemed like the end of the world. We mm-hmm. were so angry. And then I look back on that day and I'm like, like that's it. Yeah. That's it. That's that's all that. You should have taken all of that yeah. back. Like we were clearly not ready. Can we totally. have a redo of that wedding? You would yeah. not imagine what it looks like now. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think that you train yourself yeah. to like, take the stings and they become Mm -hmm. less and less as time goes on because it's just like stuff's just gonna happen it's gonna happen but i think too like really what what developed from that is the ability to say we weren't perfect because Mm -hmm. i think i think there is a part of egotisticalness about being an entrepreneur like you Mm -hmm. have to think highly of yourself like you have to think that you have the best product that you have the best this whatnot and for us like we put so much of it into us and we were like but we did all these things like mm-hmm. we, you believe you what we did for you. <laughs> right. Like, but we couldn't take a step back and recognize that there was a lot of truth in what was said, you mm-hmm. know? And I think that was the first time I, we realized that, okay, like we're not going to be perfect. We're going to make lots of mistakes and you have to get okay with saying that I'm sorry, saying, how can I fix this? Mm-hmm. What can I do to make this better? And sometimes that's going to be a nominal cost, you know, mm-hmm. and it's okay to have that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, totally. But I think it was a it was a hard lesson, but it was one that I think helped us so much mm-hmm. in dealing with. Yeah. It's like you just file it away in your toolkit for how you yeah. do yeah. stuff moving forward. Yeah. And that's just yeah. like what it is. Yeah. You know? Well, we would love to end on two things. One, we want to know what the most rewarding part of your journey has been. And then like, is there a moment that stands out to you? Yeah. <sighs> most rewarding part. I mean, besides this, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> I mean, you took the words out of my mouth. I would say, I mean, there's countless like hospital visits that, you know, you mm. walk away from it and you're like, this is what I was meant to do, yeah. you know? But I would say like, you know, in right now what I'm feeling in Mic Drop Workshop, we have like a closed community that um, of students who are in the course and you know, every day there's someone that posts in there, like, I just, you know, had my first speaking engagement at like Mm -hmm. United Way or, you know, and I just see that I'm like, wow, something that like Mm. I built helped someone do Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And so every time I see, I think I, and for a while I had a tough time, like in my twenties, like, watching other women win even mm-hmm. though I w- was someone who believed that women should win mm-hmm. it's like you I was telling myself that it meant less a- about me you know oh, yeah like and now I'm like oh it feels so cool to genuinely want women to win mm-hmm. yes and that's just such a m- better way to yeah. walk through life right. yeah. it's just like your success is not robbing me of my own right? yeah. and there's room for everyone yeah. at the top you know anything coming down the pipeline anything yeah, exciting for our listeners 
Well, the I guess I could say this. Um, I'm coming out with a children's book, okay, which will be nice. really exciting. That's exciting. Um, so that was just uh, signed, but it'll be Congrats. in um, 2023. That's so awesome. I'm really excited. And it'll be yeah. something along the lines of helping kids create their ideas. So, okay. I love that. Um, that's so that's great. what's in the pipeline right now. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Well, I don't think we had enough time today. I, don't I know. Either. This was yeah. great. Thank you so much for having me. This yeah. has been awesome. I totally enjoyed it. To learn more about Jess and her story, visit JessExtrum.com or follow her on Instagram at Jess underscore Ekstrom. To learn more about her organization, visit HeadbandsOfHope.com or follow along on Instagram at HeadbandsOfHope. And for those of you that are listening, Jess has given you one free month of Bright Pages, her online journaling platform. You can go to BrightPages.com and use the code GATHER. You can read more about Bright Pages and Jess's other products in our show notes. And to learn more about our hustles, visit cndevents.com, thebradfordnc.com, and hustleandgather.com, or follow us on Instagram at cndevents, at thebradfordnc, and at hustleandgather. And if you like this show, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating and a review. This podcast is a production of Earfluence. I'm Dana. I'm Courtney. And we'll talk to you next time on Hustle and Gather.